This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. Today's big question, is God dead? Now we're asking today's big question to Kevin Sorbo. Kevin is a Hollywood actor, director and producer. He's best known for his lead role in Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, as well as for the TV series Andromeda and Supergirl. He's also known for his roles in the motion pictures God's Not Dead and Let There Be Light. And he joins me now, Kevin. Welcome to Bigger Questions. It's good to be here. You're going to ask bigger questions. I don't know if I have bigger answers, but I'll do my best. <laughs> well, we ask big questions on this show. And the first one is about Hercules. There's some big questions there because you're best known in some ways for playing Hercules in a TV series, yeah. which was one of the highest rated syndicated television programs in the world at the time. So how was it playing the character of a demigod? Well, I was at your neighbor right there in New Zealand for seven years. That was home for me. So, yeah. uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I kind of fell in love with the All Blacks. I, you know, that's the team I was, <laughs> when I was down there. But, um, you know, we it, initially it was going to be five two-hour movies. It was going to be one year down there. We're going to shoot each movie about 10 weeks, two and a half months. Uh, Anthony Quinn played Zeus. For me to work with, you know, one of these amazing Golden Age star guys back from the 40s, 50s, and 60s was pretty cool. Um, and halfway through the third movie, Universal Studios called up and said, we love it. We're going to make it a series. I ended up staying down there for seven years. By our third year, we actually didn't become one of the biggest. We actually were the most watched TV show in the world for the last four years of that series. We were in 176 countries. So it was just crazy how that fun little show just turned into this monster. Turned into Because you know what? They always had, even though it's mythology, they still, it wasn't biblical or you know anything, or, but it, it had good moral messages in it. Mm. The fight scenes were always funny. It was very tongue in cheek. A lot of it. I call it Herc, Herc, um, Malibu Hercules is what it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I had a blast doing it. And we worked with an amazing crew, which all went on to win all these Academy Awards for Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And I remember the last time I went to the Oscars with Peter Jackson there, the third uh, Lord of the Rings was out. And he thanked me. He said, you know, your show created so much of the business down here. And I said, that's wonderful. But you didn't put me in one of your damn movies. <laughs> I mean, it's like, dude. I mean, so, there, were more, there was more than one character in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have minded being a hobbit or something, perhaps, even. I would have uh, done um, anything. You're kidding me? I would have been <laughs> awesome to do that. <laughs> so what was the appeal then behind Hercules? Why was it so popular, do you think? I think um, Sam Raimi was our exec producer, and he's known for Evil Dead and things like that. Of course, he went on to direct the Spider-Man movies and stuff. But he's always known for his campiness and Evil Dead with Bruce Campbell. And we said, we got to do the same thing with this because this is an easy show to make fun of if we take it seriously. We want the audience laughing with us, not at us. And it really became, um, you know, by a third year, even though we became this most watched show, we spun off, not only was we spun off Xena Warrior Princess, when they had an hour opener, they said, let's do a female Hercules kind of thing. But in season five, we spun off young Hercules with a very skinny 20-year-old Ryan Gosling playing me as a teenager at that time. Mm -hmm. But in that third year, when Xena came out, there were always copycat shows. There was Robin Hood. Tarzan, Conan, Sinbad, all these other shows uh, trying to copy the formula we had. But I think because we started the whole thing, we, we stayed number one the whole time, which is pretty cool. So it's uh, it was an honor to be part of that. And so did you do your own stunts in the show? I did about 90% of my own stunts. I was a jock. I played football and basketball through college and stuff growing up. And I, I loved playing sports. And I took it as sort of an like athletic endeavor. I mean, even though I shot that series for seven years all through my 30s, I kept in pretty good shape. I was always hmm. a guy that worked out every day anyway before I got the series because of the frustrations of dealing with L.A.'s traffic and taxes and and and, and, and um, rejections in Hollywood. <laughs> 
um, my way of working out was my way of not uh, going crazy and postal on people. But um, I had a, I, I love doing it. I love doing it. It was just, it was fun doing it, but I had stunt guys that made me look awesome. I'm mad. I had the best stunt guys around. I really did. They were such a hardworking crew and uh, they went on to do great things. I mean, one of them went on to become Daniel Craig's body double, stunt double in all the James Bond movies. I mean, it was mm. pretty cool to be part of that too. Well, Kevin, it's wonderful that you could join us to ask some big questions today. And today's big question is, is God dead? Now, on April the 8th, 1966, Time magazine led with the famous cover story, Is God Dead? Now, the cover was certainly provocative and it sparked great debate. Sure. But why do you think it's such a big question for our time? Many people in our world seem to think and act as though God really is dead. Um, no question. I, I think you look at the uh, the secular world has taken over. American was, America was founded on Judeo-Christian values. But, you know, uh, our laws are based on the Bible and all that. But uh, if you look at our universities today and even our public education system all the way, all the way down in kindergarten, first grade and throughout, um, you know, the teachings now are just that, uh, you know, God doesn't exist. Um, I was in Europe a couple of years ago doing a couple of autograph shows with my family. We took a month over there and traveled all through. And we go to these beautiful churches where nobody goes to church anymore. Mm. And it's kind of sad in a way, you know, because I think there's a moral high ground there that's a positive instead of a negative. But, you know, we took the Bible out of our schools back in 1964. And yet when people go to prison, we give them Bibles. So I try to explain that to me. I'm trying to figure out <laughs> where, the, where the logic is in this. And I don't think I don't think you have to be a Christian or a believer to to know the difference between right and wrong. I think we all know mm. the difference between right and wrong. So we know bad people from good people. But I, I think now it's just, you know, Going back to politicians, even there, there's so much. The, the truth is something that's rare right now. People lie all the time, and it's just and it's sad to me when I see it played out on on television all the time. You look at TV shows now, the movies, everything deals with violence and the dark side and the evil side, and we're glorifying people that are negative and 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 bad people, and that's just. I think that's wrong. I mean, Walt Disney said back in the 50s that television and music will influence, television and movies will influence the youth. Well, you see it being played on our streets around the world and certainly see it in America where you see people just marching down all our main streets and just, you know, bashing in people's businesses, attacking people with baseball bats and tire irons. I mean, it's crazy that we're allowing this to go on in this country or any country for that matter. And I, mm. uh, it, it's, I don't know, it's, um, it's, it's a sad state of affairs what's going on in the world. And you see that connected to being the the rejection of God, so to speak. I do. I th I think. I look. I, I, here's my two cents, if it's worth anything. I think that those people are running down the streets in Portland and Dallas and New York and Chicago and all these cities, uh, destroying people's businesses, attacking people. If they had any biblical principles in their life, if they had any belief in God or Jesus in their life, do I think they'd be doing out there in the streets what they're doing? No. I don't think there's any possible way they'd be out there doing what they're doing. So, mm. um, it, to me, it's. I, I'm 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 certainly not a perfect person in any way, but mm. I certainly wouldn't be doing what they're doing in terms of trying to get some point across. But I think a lot of these people are angry people. They don't like where their lives are going. They don't like their relationships. They don't like. I think these are people that are just angry people. These are all these are just. It's a gang mentality. So it's just mm. uh, an angry, confused, and lonely world out there. I think. Mm. Now you actually starred in a 2014 film, God's Not Dead, where yep. God was put on trial, so to speak. So do you think it's appropriate to allow questioning of God like that? Sure it is. I mean, here, here's that movie came off the fact that our universities right now, when I was going to school, I never had this. Never had teachers tell me how I should vote. They never mm. had teachers tell me what I should believe in or not believe in. When I went to university, they taught me the business classes, the math classes, uh, history, whatever I was taking, that's what they taught. 
And now it's changed completely in our universities. And at the end of that movie, we show 28 court cases where students have had to sue the university because the professors that they had in whatever class they had were attacking them for just having a belief in God. Why do people get so angry about something they don't believe in? I don't get it. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't believe in broccoli. And if you like broccoli, I'm not, I'm going to let you have all the broccoli you want. Okay. <laughs> so I don't, I don't get why people have this anger and mm -hmm. violence towards people that have a belief in God, but you know, maybe uh, they resent God. They hate God. They, you know, I, I played one of them in that movie. You know, I played mm. Professor Radisson, the guy that was a full-on atheist and it really was kicked off because his mother died when he was 12 years old of cancer and all his prayers went unanswered. So mm. I know people like that and I've met people like that. And I'm going, mm. well, if you don't believe in God to begin with, but now or you did and something bad happened in your life, now you don't want to believe in God? I mean, God doesn't walk around saying, I, I promise you all a perfect life. Mm. It's just, it, we are where we are right now because uh, I think that, people have just lost focus and what, what is, what is right and what is wrong. And people mm. just want to live out their fantasies. And, and that unfortunately is dealing with a lot of anger. Mm. So in that film, as you said, you did play a, an antagonistic professor. So was it hard to play someone like that? Or was it therapeutic perhaps to ask, you know, somebody to be able to ask some of the questions that you might've wanted to ask? I think, I think the latter part, I think it was therapeutic in a way. It was interesting. The writing was fantastic for me. I thought it was great. And uh, I know people like that. I know atheists like that. I've got atheist friends. I have agnostic hmm. friends. We still go golf and have a beer afterwards. We don't hate each other. We have a discussion about it. Maybe they can give me a little bit of crap. Maybe they, I give them a little crap, you know, and I'll sit there and go, I go, well, who made your golf clubs? And they'll go, well, well somebody made it. I go, exactly. Somebody had to make something. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't think the golf clubs just appeared. So um, I know it's a simple argument for God. And they say, who made God? And I said, I, I wish I knew that answer. But all hmm. I know is something had to start all this and it wasn't you and it wasn't me. There was a yeah. reason it happened. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of the guys that are atheists that are out there say that, well, there maybe there might be an artificial intelligence out there or some kind of intelligence out there that mm. made this happen because the math involved in everything in life is pretty amazing. But now, of course, in our politically correct world, two plus two doesn't equal four anymore. They're changing all that besides rewriting our history. But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic we can sure. talk about. So how do your atheist friends react to the film? You know, they liked it. They thought it was interesting. They thought it was pretty, you know, um, that, that one I did another movie called Let There Be Light, which I played a, uh, I played a, I, I, I didn't play a typical atheist college professor. I played the world's greatest. I played like a singer or Dawkins or Hitchens in that movie. Yeah. And um, uh, he has a world changing event that challenges his worldview, mm. uh, life changing event. So um, he's like going, wait a minute, maybe there's more to this, you know? And I'm, I've met people like that as well that have had things happen to them, whether it's a near death experience or whether it's a vision or a dream or something that made them maybe hesitate. Uh, mm -hmm. my mother uh, was a nurse and she worked in the, basically the terminal division of the hospital. And most of the patients were, you know, seventies, eighties, nineties, and they had cancer or whatever. They're about to die. She always wore her cross around her, around her neck. And she said, Kevin, you'd be surprised how many of them asked me about God afterwards. Their whole life, they'd been a non-believer. But now when it's like, you know, it's that they'll add it, there's no atheists in foxholes, right? Because they could die mm. that day. And um, they knew they're on their way out. So it's not saying she, she converted people, but she said they had a lot of questions because they, they the, the fear. I think fear plays a big part in that too. When you start realizing, my God, you know, I'm going to die in the next day or two. I know I'm not going to make it. Mm. I hope there is something beyond, you know? So uh, I've told my atheist friends, look, if I'm wrong, I've lost nothing. But if I'm right, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> it's a substantial um, difference, I suppose, between where you both stand. How do, they, how do they react to that? Oh, they laugh. They think it's funny. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, you know, Michael, Michael Hurst, who played Aeolus on my show, my sidekick Aeolus, he's an atheist, and uh, we stayed friends. We're still friends now. We had great talks about it. He's a very bright guy, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I admire the things that he says, and I don't sit there and go, well, whatever. You know, I love, I love a good debate. I love hearing mm -hmm. both sides of the issue. Why not? Why, why can't we have both sides? Why does that have to just be a one-road thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it, I think we learn from each other that way if we keep an open mind about it. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of two sides, this is perhaps the premise of uh, another recent film that you've been involved with, which is called Against the Tide, mm. Finding God in an Age of Science, which was released at the end of 2020. Now, you appeared as yourself in this film alongside Oxford mathematician Professor John Lennox. So yeah. what was the rationale there for having Hercules come and do maths, so to speak? Well, I think it really came down to the movie, God's Not Dead, because in the movie, the, t the student that I torment he um, quotes John Lennox when he, we have these series of debates in classes. And uh, Stephen Huff is the guy that funded this thing. Um, he's a self-made man, self-made billionaire guy. And he said, I love this. He is, a, he is a Christian. And he said, why don't we do a sort of, you know, proving God in a world of science type of thing. So we spent three weeks in Oxford, England with John, and then two weeks down in, in Israel. And for me, it was an amazing Kodak moment. <clears throat> you know, I'd never mm -hmm. been in either of those places before. I've traveled extensively, but I never been there. So I play sort of the antagonist in this, not in a negative way, but I'm the guy that says maybe the atheists and the agnostics would want to ask ask these questions to him. And mm. John is just boom, boom, boom. I mean, I would say a question and the guy just without any ums or ahs or whatever, he would just go and just go with it. And his impeccable, just earthbound, good heart. He sounds like Winnie the Pooh when he talks. I mean, he's just... <laughs> And he, and he sort of kills his detractors with love and kindness. He doesn't go yeah. after people. And he'll listen yeah. to he'll listen to what you know Dawkins says and Singer says and Hitchens says because he's had debates with those guys, and we show some of those debates. So I call it I call this uh, movie another subtitle is um, for Against the Tide is apologetics for dummies like me because uh, <laughs> for uh, Hercules. It was, it, was, it was really a way for people to take bullet points, take notes on this thing and find a way to defend your faith against people that want to attack it. So you say it was a Kodak moment. So what did you see more clearly? Um, well, Kodak moment, I was talking this, this to how beautiful, the beautiful Oxford is with all the colleges and oh, right. how, okay. beautiful, yeah. how yeah. beautiful Israel is. I, I tell my atheist friends, agnostics, go to Israel, spend a couple of weeks. You don't have to go there to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, so to speak. You go there because you want to experience culture. Atheists don't deny uh, you know, Singer, Dawkins, Hitchens, any other atheist, you have any common sense whatsoever, you realize there was a Jesus. There was a guy named Jesus that hung out at that time. Mm. So um, the history is there, but they, you know, thousands of history at that place. And I just found it just fascinating to just walk around and look at things. Um, what what kind of took me for a loop the first couple of days was a number of people that came up to me because everybody there is on their own religious pilgrimage in a way, for the right, most part. Yeah. I met people from China, Russia, Japan, Poland, England, wherever, Australia. I met a group from Australia that were there because they were Christians, they were believers, and they wanted, but then they recognized me. Wasn't Hercules, yeah, but it was really for God's Not Dead. What if? Right. Let There Be Light, Abel's Field, all my faith based movies. So finally, there was a guy from Michigan. They had a big group of people from Michigan, and he walks right by me, goes right after John Lennox. He goes, John, I am a huge fan of yours. And he got his daughter after the picture. John looks at me, he goes, See, Kevin? I'm pretty famous too. So, <laughs> so, but he's he's a he's a class act, and uh, I know you already spoke with him, and you saw yourself. He's just such a wonderful guy. 
Yes. Now we've known John for for some time. He's a he's a wonderful and very as you, as you, I think you've described him very well. Perhaps I wouldn't have just described him as someone who would have read Winnie the Pooh, but um, but yeah. still he's no, still his voice. His voice he's... sounds a little bit like <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. No, but but talk about educated. I don't know. Has he got five doctorates? And oh, he's six got several doctorates. doctorates. He's very. I mean, yeah, very have, yeah, he's very, very intelligent, very thoughtful, but very winsome and very gentle yes. and thoughtful. Yes. And, and, and that's the style that he really wants to bring across. He's not bombastic and he's not aggressive yep. and he's yep. a wonderful, and you really experienced that in the, in the movie that you did with him. You really uh, experienced that with him. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's like my favorite uncle. Hmm. Now the film is called Against the Tide, where the tide is the, the tide of secularism and atheism, which seems to be running very strongly in our society. So yeah. have you faced much opposition to your Christian faith in Hollywood? Because it seems that God isn't as popular as Hercules. So is God dead in Hollywood? Um, it, it's interesting. My agent manager, when I became more vocal on Facebook and Twitter, and not in a negative way, I would just say, hey, guys, what do you think of this? But apparently that didn't go over well with them. And after all the years with them, I was shown the door. And they wow. said, we can't, get, we can't get you into place. And I thought, wow, this is an industry more than, of course, I'm involved in, I've been part of it for so many years, that always screams for tolerance. But tolerance and freedom of speech in Hollywood, and pretty much the way it is outside the world right now, but certainly in my industry, is a one-way street, which is really sad to me. Because mm -hmm. I don't hold that kind of anger or hatred to somebody is if they're uh, they're non-religious, if they're, if they're, I'm a conservative, if they're liberal, if they're progressive, if whatever. I don't have that hate. And yet, in America, oh my gosh. But it's when, mm -hmm. we've created such a divide in America right now. And um, I find that just, it's, it's sad, it's pathetic. And it's, I, I really wish we could have open dialogues and saying, you know what, we're all different. But, you know, I think there's a common ground. I think most people agree on most issues. It's just a few issues that have really divided the country and the world right now. Mm, mm, mm. Well, the Bible does engage this big question in numerous ways, but the Gospel of John, one of the four biographies of Jesus that we have, uh, and Jesus speaks to this question by making a fairly audacious claim in John 8, 12, where he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, Kevin, in the Gospel of John, light is a pointer to the reality of God. So how does this idea of Jesus bringing the light of life to the world resonate with you? It's once again, it's that, that battle between good and evil, right? I mean, I, I did a movie called Let There Be Light, and there's a reason for that. And, you know, it comes basically from what you just read right there. But as one of the things, what's the first thing God says in the Bible, right? Let there be light, and it was good. But um, mm. darkness hates the light. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty easy for me to say, and I think police across the world can agree with me, most crime happens during the dark hours, right? Mm the dark of night and the cover of night, the cover of darkness. And if you bring a bunch of lights and flashlights and stuff like that, they, people, the evil usually runs away from that for the most part. Um, so light, I went through a serious illness at the end of season five on Hercules. I suffered, mm -hmm. I had an aneurysm and I suffered a series of strokes and I'm lucky to be alive. But uh, for me, it, I was in a dark place and mm -hmm. I went through what most people go through when, you know, I mean, my life was cruising, everything was going great in the industry. Um, it's easy to blame God. It's easy to blame family and friends in the world. The reality is you got to look in the mirror. You got to look in the mirror and say, okay, it happened to me. What are you going to do about it? Because God never promises an easy life. There are going to be roadblocks in front of us all the time. Uh, and people need to realize that. And uh, to me, when, when, when uh, Universal Studios said, look, 
took me four months to learn how to walk again, balance again. It was tough mm-hmm. on my ego. I got to tell you, after being as ripped up as I was those first five, first five seasons, four months came and went. I was able to get on the plane, go back to New Zealand, start season six. I went from a 14-hour day on the set to one-hour day. I slowly mm-hmm. worked it back up as the months went on those last two years. Um, but I'm glad that Universal did what they did. They didn't do it out of goodness to me. The show was number one in the world. It was a big cash cow for them, you know. But mm-hmm. for me... What they did gave me that light at the end of a long and dark tunnel. It gave me hope and it gave me, and that's what people are looking for. People are looking for redemption, look for hope. They're looking for a reason to, to keep on going. And that really helped motivate me and certainly helped uh, uh, my recovery. And um, after, when that show finished, I did five years in Andromeda. And since then, I've shot over 60 movies. Not all of them are good, but most of them are. But I've shot over 60 <laughs> movies. But um, I'm, I'm very happy that when the universe, I mean, my agent manager said goodbye to me, that door closed, but God for me opened another door and did a mm-hmm. movie called what if, and I think what if's a better movie than God's not dead. It's the same writers, but it came out three years earlier before same, same group of guys. Um, Dallas Jenkins directed it. He's now doing a series called the chosen. And, um, that door, when that opened for what if I said, wow, I like this movie because it's got hope. It's got redemption. Mm-hmm. It's got laughter. It's got humor, which is always a big part of my life. I love those things. And I think that was one reason why Hercules and Andromeda were fun and people enjoyed it. But um, it's got that redemption factor in it to let people know, look, your life can be crap, but you can make it better if you want to make it better. It's mm-hmm. too easy for people to fail and then just give up on life. But failure is a good thing. Failure is not a positive, not a negative thing. You can learn a lot from failure and use it for the good instead of the bad. So just go back to your injuries when you had this these aneurysms, this this um, uh, this suffering that you were engaging in your life. Did you feel that God was dead to you then? No, um, I look. I always had a faith, but I never needed faith until this happened to me. So mm-hmm. when it happened, I, I realized I had my talks with God. Trust me, I wrestled with him, but I, I recommend not wrestling with God because you will ultimately lose. But um, <laughs> I, uh, I I did. I, I questioned things because things were going great for me. I, was, I My first big budget movie called The Conqueror just come out. I had another one lined up and ready to go. Of course, I couldn't do it. Um, but I never... I never lost. I'm not, I've always been a man that's been a believer. Have I been a good Christian? No, I've been, you know, I've done a lot of stupid things in my life as well. And I continue to do stupid things, but um, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in the power of gratefulness. I tell my atheist friends, you can still do the grateful prayer. Just got a prayer attached to it. You don't have to talk to God. Just say, you know what? I'm thankful for a sunny day. I'm thankful I got a pillow. I'm thankful I got hot water, running water. We get mm. so caught up on our lives right now. So caught up with everything is, we're so impatient with everybody and everything. And we have a tension span of a gnat. I mean, we just kind of go, we can't take any time. We need to take a breath. Because if you're stuck in crappy traffic in your car, take take a breath and go, you know what? I'm grateful I got a great wife. I'm grateful I got my kids. There are things to be grateful for in life. And you don't have to be religious to be grateful. You can still find a place to be grateful. And I think ultimately that actually will even make you a better person, just finding a way to be grateful. So what persuades you then that God's not dead? Um, I just look at the architecture he does on this planet. Like I said earlier, somebody made this and wasn't you or me. So um, I just finished shooting a pilot for a new one-hour TV series called Pieces. I just got back from Northern California. But um, just walking through this mountain, just walking around this area, I was like, this is unbelievable. I, I felt so detached. I mean, I was there was just a group of about 140 at this 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 location. 
and it was easy to just get lost in the woods. And I saw a couple of bear when I was there. I mean, it was just amazing for me just to walk around there and to breathe this clean, fresh air and go, um, okay, I'm, you can tell me there's not a God, but you're not going to talk me into believing that because I really think somebody started this. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing. I mean, if this earth was just a little bit closer to the sun, a little bit further away, we wouldn't have the life that we have right now. Just wouldn't. Mm. Just thinking back about that, um, passage from John about Jesus being the light of the world and the themes of light, life and God are all, are all connected in that film that you directed and starred in called Let There Be Light. So how transformative do you think the reality of God can be in people's lives? I think huge because I've seen it in many people's lives. Yeah. What um, have you seen? Uh, well, for instance, uh, when God's Not Dead came out, the, the sheer number of fan mail I got from people um, being stopped. I mean, the first time it hit me, was I was at the Salt Lake City Airport. We just finished a ski trip with my family, and this woman walks up to me, um, very beautiful, 30, 32 years old, somewhere in there, little seven, eight-year-old daughter with her. And the minute she talked, I could tell she's somewhere from the Middle East. And she said, are you Kevin Sorbo? And I said, I am. And she said, she broke down and started crying. She said, I saw your movie, God. She goes, I'm from Iraq. I am Muslim. I saw your movie, God's Not Dead. I became a Christian because of your movie. And my daughter and I just got baptized. And my wife cried, I cried, we prayed for her right there at the airport. I mean, it was amazing. I get goosebumps telling that story. And this is already six, seven years ago when the movie came out 2014. So um, I look at that and I've had every day through KevinSorbo.net or Sorbo Family Film Studios, um, people will give me their reasons why they went, uh, became, you know, a Christian or why they became a believer. Um, we're just about to wrap up, Kevin. This has been fantastic. Um, now, um, Hercules was a demigod, a myth, and his adventures entertain people. Yet Jesus' claim to be God is based in history and makes real and lasting change for people. So why do you think Hercules, the TV show, is more accepted in the world of popular culture than Jesus? <laughs> because that's what we've done through the media. I mean, it really started it started to happen in the 60s. I mean, before before 1960, there were no really PG-13 or R-rated movies. Everything was like a G or PG movie, really. Um, uh, the 60s was, you're looking at, you know, the, the Vietnam War. You're looking at the rock music t- kicking in. You're looking at uh, what movies started doing was the anti-hero was the hero. I mean, mm-hmm. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, I love that movie with Paul Newman and Robert Redford, but let's be honest. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid in real life were pretty bad guys. They killed a lot of people and they robbed a lot of people. But in that movie, you got these two good-looking dudes, and they're just like, they're funny and they quip and they're, you know, very quaint and stuff. I don't think the real guys were that way at all. But mm-hmm. we, have, we have gotten to the point we glamorize the negativity. We glamorize uh, the guys that are, that are the angry loners and uh, uh, people that want to create destruction and change, change the culture in a negative way instead of a positive way, which is, which is unfortunate. So, Kevin... Is God dead? God is not dead. There's no way the guy's dead. He, I think he's disappointed in us, and he's like, man, this is really, I can't believe this is happening right now. But, um, you know, we're, we're the great experiment, I think. <laughs> I think. And God's certainly not dead for you. No, not dead for me. Well, let me leave you with some of the Bible's answer to the big question, is God dead, from John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Thanks very much to our guest today, Kevin Sorbo. Thank you so much. It was great uh, great chatting to you, and I hope to get down there soon. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. 
go to patreon.com slash bigger questions.